0: Welcome to Waking Up to Grace. I'm Lenny, and uh, today I'm going to be be talking about a topic that might bring a lot of people a little bit of peace, or, or at least a little something to to look into. You know that that could bring you peace, um, especially with uh, you know all the things going on around us. You know, as as a Christian um and just as anybody you know living in the world right now we see a, <laughs> from any vantage point i would i would venture to say from any vantage point of of what you're seeing going on in the world you you see a lot of crazy stuff you know and um so you you might think you might be looking at these teachings about the end times you know they're here the mark of the beast is coming and uh you know there there's all these signs and you know, the the question that comes to mind uh, very quickly, you know, and it's a very obvious question is, why is everybody always wrong about it? Why? Why is it that every, every 10 years, every five years, somebody has the, the notion and starts proclaiming the end is here, be prepared, be prepared for the end. And You know, you're for one. You're like, well, how do you how do you am I? I was a Christian to prepare for the second coming. Is there anything that we have to do? We've been given everything in Christ, so there's really nothing to worry about. But it does draw one to think, well, am I going to be heavily persecuted? Am I and and am I destined for this if this is the end times? There's some ugly stuff going to happen. And, you know, I, you know, that's, that's crazy. And, you know, none of us can, can, can know for sure if we're going to escape persecution for our faith in this life. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that God will uh, give us strength to endure through those things, although treacherous as they, they may be. Um, And, (laughs) It, would it be fun? No, but uh, God, God certainly didn't uh, give the, the apostles a heart to stop because they were under pressure or even Paul in one of his letters had described that they were, uh, they were in anguish to the point of, of death, like, or, you know, just like such anguish that they were wishing for death, basically. And uh, but but God rescued them and to his glory, you know, it was all done so that he could be glorified. And so, you know, these these hard times that they they were facing, you know, they they were they had the strength through Christ to get through it, just like Christ did, you know, uh, before he was going to the cross, you know, when it was said that he was it was as if he was bleeding, uh, uh, sweating blood. And uh, he was in a lot of anguish, but then an angel came and uh, came and encouraged him. And so anyhow, on that note, you know, there's there's not a lot to worry about for the Christian, but, you know, there can still be a lot of worry about the second coming and and you know all the terror that it would bring it's not really about jesus coming we'd we'd hope that he would rapture us and come take us away but you know there's just very little evidence in scripture you'd have to kind of create that doctrine about the rapture to come to that conclusion and it's kind of a fantasy a christian fantasy He's just going to sweep us up you know but uh you know that's anyhow that's that's i just wanted to share um I wanted to share uh, a message that I got back in August of 2022 from from a guy. I was sharing uh, grace with somebody on a forum, and um, uh, this this brother in Christ, Dave, reached out and and recognized and was was, uh, had had a lot of compliments to, to say about um, some things that I was sharing, and he wanted to share something in return. And so I'll skip the, you know, the pleasantries of it just to get to the point. And so here's where his letter starts and uh, where the content begins of what he, what Dave had to say. He said, the more I read this and study scripture, the more I am convinced that mainstream Christianity is wrong about many things. I would like to challenge your thinking in terms of making sense of what passes for churchianity today and the endless commentaries that we are living in the last days and other prophetic nonsense. About a year ago, after much study, along with the appropriate lexicons and other study helps, I was introduced to the concept of fulfilled eschatology, otherwise known as preterism. And it has been a dramatic assurance to me. Uh, more a dramatic assurance to me than when I was shown the doctrines of grace. It's like I have a whole new Bible. As I began to study the view, I saw that although it went against what the majority of the church was teaching and what I had learned slash parroted, it was what the Bible was teaching. I had to make a choice between tradition and the scriptures. The choice was easy. If this view is new to you, I would ask what you would openly and honestly look at what it is saying. Almost every book in the New Testament talks of a soon return of Jesus Christ. And it's very hard to make 2,000 years soon by any hermeneutic, which hermeneutic would be keeping things in context, basically. Uh, The major issue in all of this is the inspiration of Scripture. Don't let tradition rob you of the precious truths which our Lord taught. I challenge you to be a Berean and daily search the scriptures to see if these things are so. Believers today must address directly the vast misunderstanding that exists within the realm of Christianity regarding Christ's eschatology, eschatological teachings. Matthew 24, 34, New King James Version. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Jesus here very plainly and very clearly tells his disciples that all of the things he had just mentioned would come to pass in their generation. The context of this includes the gospel being preached in all the world, the abomination of desolation, the great tribulation, and the second coming. This is so clear that it greatly troubles those who hold to a futuristic eschatology, and so you have preterism, which is fulfilled eschatology. Some there, some people believe in a partial preterism, some full preterism, uh, but others believe in a future eschatology. And then maybe there's a mix of, of two, um, you know, but future eschatology would be to say that much of what's written in Revelations is yet to come. And uh, in most cases, people believe that all of it is yet to come. If you read it from start to finish and, you know, most of the bad stuff is coming, more or less. You can just get to that point and and then Jesus might swoop in and save us. Uh, You know, if we're going to, you know, start to kind of pull things from this rapture. Uh, doctrine that you know you you really have to kind of create on your own because you you can you can uh, place those passages as meaning something completely different. But that's not Dave talking there. Let's get back to uh, this message here. He says, uh, "This is so clear that it greatly troubles those who hold to a futuristic eschatology." In his essay, "The World's Last Night," C.S. Lewis talking about Matthew twenty four thirty four quotes an objector as saying. The apocalyptic beliefs of the first Christians have been proved to be false. It is clear from the New Testament that they all expected the second coming in their own lifetime. And worse still, they had a reason, and one which you will find very embarrassing. Their master had told them so. He shared and indeed created their delusion. He said in so many words, this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. And he was wrong. He clearly knew no more about the end of the world than anyone else. Then Lewis says, this is certainly the most embarrassing verse in the Bible. Yet how teasing also that within 14 words of it should come the statement, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the son, but the father. The one exhibition of error and the one confession of ignorance grow side by side essay the world's last night 1960 found in the essential c.s. lewis page 385 so lewis says that what jesus said about this generation is embarrassing and calls it an error well was jesus wrong i can't accept that can you said dave fortunately christ did keep his promise to come with the first within the first century generation christ's second coming occurred spiritually the way he intended it, at the A.D. 70 destruction of Jerusalem. This highly verified historical event signified that sin finally had been atoned forever and that all Christians from generation to generation could live eternally on earth and in heaven without separation from God. Now I'm sure that you are thinking, if the Lord did come back in 70 A.D., how did we miss it for all these years? how could he have come back and we not have known it the problem here is one of pre- preconceived ideas it is because of the paradigms that we have developed we think that the and paradigm is the, a way of thinking it's a you know it's your mindset um, and he says we we think that the second coming is an earth burning heaven melting globe changing event so we assume it could not have already happened I submit to you that either Scripture is wrong about the time of the second coming, and thus not in inerrant, or our paradigms are wrong about the nature of the second coming. Which one of the which one of those are you more comfortable with? An incorrect paradigm or an unsp- uninspired Scripture? That's a lot to take in, Dave said, and I won't blame you if you don't reply, and that's okay. But I was impressed with your comment to Brandon, and I thought I would share with you that the Lord has been teach what the Lord has been teaching me in His Word. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may Christ be praised. Ephesians five eleven from Dave, and uh, you know we had some correspondence after that, and I said, you know what I, you know this is this is interesting. This is something I never really looked at. I just uh, always assumed futuristic eschatology because that's what's always been around us never really gave it a close look, because to be quite honest, once I came to the truth of the gospel, uh, the full truth, the full gospel, the full forgiveness that we have, the full life in Christ and him living in us and indwelling in us and, and uh, you know, God's sovereignty. It was just like, what really matters? The the second coming didn't matter. But, you know, in the background, you know, there's, there was always, you know, maybe maybe some anxiety. Maybe other people have experienced it too. Like, ooh, these end times, they're coming and it's looking ugly. Well, I think there's some peace to be had in fulfilled eschatology. And uh, and it's not just because we want, it to, want to believe it that way. There's, there's actually a whole lot of mounting evidence that, you know, when you look at the book of Revelations, if you want to decode the book of Revelations, you just might have to decode history and go back in time to see what took place. And what they were talking about, because they were speaking to these churches in a language that only they knew, and uh, they knew the symbolism behind these things. Could it be that all those things already came to pass, and that we're just sitting here worried about the future, and none of it uh, had to do with any of these things? And that the new age is actually the way they describe the new age as uh, a new age in, in time, the end of times, the end of the old and the beginning of the new, the new covenant, the old covenant versus the new covenant, the end of the old age and the beginning of the new marked by the destruction of the temple and the destruction of the law. Could it be that that was just the last fulfillment of of Jesus Christ that was completed in seventy A.D. Well, I mean, I know one thing's for sure: the the temple got destroyed. So, you know how how is <laughs> here's here's something just to look at. in Second Thessalonians, in that regard, uh, the the heading is the Day of the Lord. But it's uh, chapter two of Second uh, Thessalonians. This is interesting. Now regarding the arrival of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to be with him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be easily shaken from your composure or disturbed by any kind of spirit or message or letter allegedly from us to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Let no one deceive you in any way. So he's there. Must have been chatter that the day was already there, um, and he's telling them, "No, no, don't be worried." And then go. This is where it gets real good. He says, "Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not arrive until the rebellion comes." Yikes! What happened in 70 A.D.? There was a rebellion. Interesting. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. Hmm. The man of lawlessness. Isn't that written of in in Revelations? The man of lawlessness will stand in the temple, and then it'll be he was created for destruction. Uh, the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Could he have been in that temple when it went down? The destruction of the temple in seventy A.D. Hmm, I think we might be missing something in history here, just as Dave said. And then he goes on. This gets real interesting. Um, He says, uh, for that, um, the son of destruction, he opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship. And as, as a result, he takes his seat in God's temple, displaying himself as God. Well, you can't do it now. The temple's gone. So I hate to say it, but, you know, this part absolutely is fulfilled. It's pretty hard to believe that it's not. There's no talk about a third rebuilding of the temple. Uh, they're going to rebuild it again so that, uh, you know, get it ready for him to sit there and do his thing. Come on now. You, you can't you can't start making all this stuff up. And, uh, and then he says, uh, surely you recall, this is where it gets even more certain. Surely you recall that I used to tell you these things while I was still with you. And so you know what holds him back so that he will be revealed in his own time. You know what holds him back? Wait a minute. He told them that they that he knew, he told them what was holding him back. Uh, did they know him? They must have known who it was, it sounds to me. And you know what holds him back, so that he will be revealed in his own time. For the hidden power of lawlessness is already at work. However, the one who holds him back will do so until he is taken out of the way. Sounds like they knew him to me. This doesn't sound like future. Uh, Why is he? Why is everything about their time? I mean, this is interesting. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will destroy by the breath of his mouth and wipe out by the manifestation of his arrival. The arrival of the lawless one will be by Satan's working with all kinds of miracles and signs and false wonders. What do you read about in first John, you know, in the epistles of John, he's talking about the 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 falling away happening, uh, people falling for all these different things. and, you know, it, oh man, when you read about the destruction of Jerusalem, they were imploding from from inside the the temple, they, the guy that destroyed the temple finally said he could have never done it if it weren't for them bringing it down from within because of the calamity going on inside of there. And it had to have been horrible. I'm not even going to describe some of the things. And he says, And with every kind of evil deception directed against those who are perishing, because they found no place in their hearts for the truth as to be saved. Consequently, God sends on them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. And so all of them who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in evil will be condemned. So, the big takeaway from that is they they seem to know exactly who it was and what was going on. And I have to say, the Book of Revelation seems more like a warning of what to look for when it was coming, so that they could escape. And in history, it was even recorded that they that Christians fled into the mountains to escape the destruction. Uh, anybody that was there had to in the in that area had to get out of there. There's some interesting historical facts there. You know, are we missing the point? Have we fallen for some kind of silly nonsense that the book of Revelation is a crystal ball into our history? Well, let's look into that, Christians. Let's take some peace and truth. Let's let's not just keep believing what it is that the mainstream wants us to believe because we know that that doesn't get you there. You, you have to follow the spirit. What's the spirit of God telling you right now? Is he giving you peace? Is he telling you that maybe you don't have so much to worry about? Maybe, maybe you don't have to, uh, to feel like what the apostles were dealing with is doomed and destined to come to you because of what that preacher keeps telling you, be prepared. Be prepared and not to mention the bottom line, you know, in the gospel and in Christ and in life. Any good grace teacher is going to tell you you are prepared, but we're not facing the end of the world. As the Bible describes, uh, that's not what they're describing. Uh, I look into it. It's quite interesting. And, uh, you know, I'll let you take a look at some material. I'm, I'm going to have some more material on it. It's not my primary focus. There's some there's some some people out there really digging in. I think that's pretty cool, you know. It's kind of just like the science behind the dinosaur bones. You find that they're still finding live DNA in dinosaur bones and all kinds of, you know. I can't even uh, say these words, you know, but uh, organizations are finding live stuff you know (laughs) i'm not scientific enough to remember all these words but there's stuff in these bones that is not billions of years old you're talking more thousands and thousands of years ago guess what happened there was a flood and so you come to find out that uh, dinosaur bones and where they're located they're actually more consistent with the flood and you know without the gospel none of that really matters but that's pretty cool to me i think it's neat And, uh, you know, just you just find more and more mounting evidence that we're being lied to by people, and the truth is out there and the truth is real. And uh, Christ, Christ was real. He came, He was crucified, He was risen, and He's real inside of you, the Christian. He's living inside of you and He's guiding you. And His purpose, His wonderful, amazing plan is going to be carried out just like it was in every other prophecy that he's completed to date and nothing will be left unfulfilled everything has been fulfilled by christ we're living in the new age this is the new age live it love it you know god's kingdom is established you know he he is the ruler of all things and so let's embrace that how about it amen signing out and you know i i hope you guys enjoyed this message and uh I'd say God bless you, but if you're a Christian, you're already blessed. So amen. Have a good day out there.